Welcome to the Abyssinian syllabary, where we spell out Ethiopia in 33 characters. I'm Eve-Marie Stranger, your host and the compiler of these Abyssinian lives. Nota bene. While any resemblance to actual countries, past or present, and to historical figures is not purely coincidental, this is a work of fiction. For a primer on these Ethiopian characters, newcomers may start with the prologue by Manuel de Goes. To order the book or a poster of the Abyssinian syllabary, visit Ethiopia.com. That's U-T-H-I-O-P-I-A dot com. My father, my mother, the meandering road and the open sky above it, and text itself for accoucheuse with its infinite permutations to give a semblance of illusory order. The Apocrypha of Zeliacob. M. Ewasteos. Ewasteos was born in Hausen, a land of leech soils and scant rainfall. These stony hills lay in close proximity to large forests of olive wood and nephorbia which provide cover to elephant and buffalo, as well as to all sorts of apes, some being as large as ten-year-old children. This is why the crops of this region lack in abundance and suffer from many depredations. In the year in which Iwastewas was born, the rains were plentiful and the grain copious. Honey poured from the hives and there were no wars nor highwaymen at large. Peace reigned throughout the Christian realm, and even in the borderlands, where the idolaters of trees who rubbed themselves down in butter scamper about. Nor did the wild animals disturb the tranquility, for even in the depths of the forest, the succulent grasses and the wild fruits had never, in the memory of man or beast, been known to provide such manner. It is said that on the morning of the birth of the child, Iwastewas, a swarm of bees came to alight upon the ostrich egg that crowned the central pillar of the maternal household inside the half itself, and that this bee swarm had pulsated as if in sympathy with the mother's contractions. This was auspicious, and the priests urged the father to offer the newborn to the priesthood, which was of course immediately done to great rejoicing, and it is, therefore, an infant baptized with the humours of the uterus and the chrism oil of the priesthood that Anon presented a rather normal countenance, wet, hairless, and bellowing at the top of his lungs. Even the bees took their leave. Ewastewas partook of sorghum porridge, such as the other children, and he played at shepherd's keep with black and white stones, as is the nature of all children. And, similar to other children, he went about naked until he was six years of age, when he was covered with a piece of rough fabric that held two holes for the arms and one for the head. This is the age at which he was entrusted to the priests to learn his syllabary, and the age at which he stopped having his head shaven. The first morning, when Iwastewa sat himself down under the fig tree where the lesson took place, a swarm of bees congregated above him once more and pulsated in unison with the fidels, and the child Iwastewas did not mumble these fidels 
as the other school children did, but enounced them to perfection. On the second day, the bee swarm did not return, and Iwastewas could read his syllabary without a single hesitation. On the third day, he read the Psalms of David in Gurs, and he knew their meanings too. On the fourth, he initiated his reading of the Old Testament, and on the fifth, completed the new. It is on the sixth day that a contretemps occurred. Iwastewas pronounced that Saturday, just like Sunday, was the Lord's day, and that one should not study, nor read, nor work, nor undertake any graft at all, because this Saturday was another blessed day. Jewry, Jewish falsehoods, one heard in the village, and also, maybe it was a Jewish bee swarm. Iwastewas, who, it will be understood, was not just a child like any other, had foreseen his village turning against him, and had already taken to the road with a few votaries. Iwastewas completed his studies at the nearby Cenobium of Debrebizen, where he swiftly began to convert the illiterate as well as the learned to his doctrine of the two Sabbaths. The library of Debrebizen was famed throughout Abyssinia for its manuscripts, in the Gurs script and for those in Arabic and even in Greek, and Iwastewas studied day and night, and at all times a swarm of bees clung to the rock above his dugout cell. When Iwastewas emerged from his hole, it was to utter his famous precept on the three kabats, or three unctions. There were those unbelievers and sceptics who held that such a belief had only come to him due to his own extraordinary parturition, and that it is not right to extrapolate to common mortals the supernatural only given to be experienced by the elect. There were those who scratched their heads, trying to understand in what way this new dogma was different from the previous one, in which the child Christ is born twice, once into his human nature and the second into his divine nature. But after two or three miscreants found the shortest distance between the top of the cliffs and the teff fields below, opposition melted away. The new credo began to spread throughout the north of Ethiopia, a land of honey and milk if there ever were one, and a land where it ever were easy to spill blood. The son slew the father and the brother his brother. Everywhere one saw torched huts and fields that remained fallow from year to year. The promising birth of Eustos, prefigured by plentiful rainfall and a swarm of bees, harvested here a bitter crop. Eustos himself, so steadfast in his belief that Saturday is a holy day and that Christ had not two but three successive births, could only partake of this fruit with sorrow. Shortly thereafter, Iwastewas departed for Armenia, where the three births were a conviction revealed to all. He died only once in a cell of the Cenobium of Argia. The free-for-all between the devotees of the triple birth, who apportioned upon themselves the names of Sabbatarians and the sectarians of the double unction, who called themselves Orthodox proper, was to continue unabated in Abyssinia, causing many a war and many a death until the Emperor Johannes assembled the Council of Burumeda in 1878, in which it was proclaimed that henceforward those who wished to celebrate one Sabbath 
are free to do so, and similarly, those that want to celebrate too, and that each party is to grant the other a royal respite, and that all are warranted to be born as many times as they see fit, an edict which was carried out with nary a bee swarm in sight.